Welcome to the 343 Ministries podcast, where we want to help you be the church right where you are. Whether at work or at home or with your friends or your families, we want to give you practical strategies that can help you build your communities in Christ wherever you are in life right now. So let's get started. Welcome back to the 343 Ministries podcast. I'm Todd Baker, your host, and I am thrilled to be back with you today. The question we ask each week is this, what kind of community are you helping to build? And we get that from Matthew 15, verse 18, which says, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. So what is it that God has put in your heart to do in your community this week? Today, we're thinking about legacy question to think about as you listen to this podcast is, how do you want people to remember you? I want you to say this with me, or say this just kind of out loud. I am leaving a legacy. I am leaving a legacy. Try it again. I am leaving a legacy. I am leaving a legacy. Yes. Um, the, the truth of that is scary, isn't it? Sometimes you don't think about it. Uh, and what I mean by that is, is if, if we don't act, if we don't make that statement or ask the question, what kind of legacy are we leaving? Then we will just sort of float through life and feel like we sort of make it to the pearly gates at one, you know, hopefully at one point, if we're trusting in Christ. Um, but I feel like this, this series, the crux of it, is going to push us, hopefully, to think about what kind of legacy are we and What does that look like in real life? And um, I think essentially, when I think of the statement, I'm leaving a legacy, I have to ask myself, what, what do I want the end of my life to look like? So it's hard for us to envision when we have children and careers and lives to live and, and we're so young or we feel young or some days we don't feel so young, but uh, moving, moving our minds to actually think, what will the end of my life look like is a, is a tough question, but I think, it's a, I think it's an essential question to be asked. And from where we, where we began this year, we began with the topic of momentum. And we said that God is, is the one driving us. He's our momentum in life, hopefully, leading us on a path to Him and to His glory and, 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 and to live a life full of His spiritual momentum. Then we followed that up with our impact series, which said if God is taking us and driving us, and He's the momentum behind us, He's going to make an impact in this world through us. That's what he wants to do. And then now we're looking at, so, so he's making an impact. What does that legacy then become with him working in our lives? And, and that's, that's, where, that's, where I wanna, that's where we've been, and that's where hopefully we're going to go in this series. So, so hopefully that, that will, you may, you may need to strap on a seatbelt you know, for this one, but at, at, at least it's, it's giving us something, a goal to, to shoot towards in our spiritual life. A lot of times we don't, and then we end up just missing things. We miss the life that God wants for us. So, um, you know, another way of looking at legacy, I think, is 
What do you want people to remember about you? And, and what kind of a difference do you want to make in this world? <clears throat> I looked up on Google, and the, definite, the first thing that came up, just the first search engine link was, for legacy, was an amount of money or property to someone in a will. And I thought, wow, is that, that's what the world considers a person's legacy. It's, it's just the amount of net worth that you have at the end of your life. And, and I thought, well, that is so sad. <laughs> that is such a sad commentary on, on a life that, that could have been lived for other things, not just what's left in your bank accounts at the end of life. Um, but that's what the world thinks, and thankfully, that's not what God thinks for us. That we're not measured by our net worth at the end of life. We're, we're, we're measured in Christ. And when we're in Christ, we're secure. And we're doing things for His glory. So, I think that, um, that, that the interesting thing is, is that we talk about the end of this life, but really when we think of legacy, I want to continue to paint this picture of the fact that our legacy in Christ doesn't end. So, so it doesn't end just when, when we leave this world and move into the next life. That God has this legacy that starts, and we'll find that out in Philippians, starts now and moves all the way into eternity forever with God. And so we've got this hope that's locked up in that truth. And, <laughs> and so this, this world that we live in is only the beginning. I know that's difficult to, to grasp and hold on to because there's so much stuff coming at, at us every day and it's difficult to actually see into the future and see, see and, and hold on to that hope that God has something much bigger and much more lasting for us. But here's my point, is that the legacy that God offers to us is something that will last for eternity. And, and, and the question is, do we, do we want to be a part of it? So, the take-home, as you go ahead and turn to Philippians 1, we're going to be in the first chapter of Philippians. Philippians 1, starting verse 3, but the take-home is this. I think that God invites us to be a part of His legacy so that our lives will bring Him glory. So He invites us into a relationship with Him that creates, that begins this process of a, of a legacy that carries us in life and says, okay, our life now, instead of just living for ourselves, will be to live for His glory and to glorify Him. And then by participating with Him, so there's a second idea, participating with Him and with others in life, in the body of Christ, He will use each of us to change the lives of those who we come into contact with. To the people that we influence in life, He will begin to take our steps of faith towards Him, to impact and to influence the world. And that's, that's, that's the beginning of this legacy that He has. And I want you to hear this because all of us come from different, different places to today. We all have baggage, we all have history that we bring into to our daily walk, our daily lives, our daily work life, our daily family life, whatever. But no matter what has happened to you, whether it's by your choice or by someone else's choice and how they have influenced you in your life, and I mean this in a negative way, that no matter what has happened to you negatively, God can always create a life-changing legacy 
for you. I want you to hold on to that hope through this whole series, and I want you to think about the, the fact that no matter what has happened to you, God can take those things that didn't seem so good, and He can actually begin to create a life-changing legacy through you, no matter what. And I think there's hope in that that we can, we're going to see in Philippians. So in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul, Paul begins, he's, this, this letter he wrote from prison, so he was in prison in Rome, and he had been there <clears throat> for a, a couple of years, and, and he, he wrote four of his letters there. This is one of them, Philippians. And so he starts off, and he's, he's, he, he begins chapter 3 with, I thank my God every time that I remember you. And that one verse made me think um, of, of this idea, and I saw this in, in, a, in a commentary, and he said, and this I think is your first fill in the blank, is how we pray for one another will determine how we treat one another. How we pray for one another will determine how we treat one another. And, and Paul's initial sentence really out of the gate in this letter is, I am so thankful for you every time that I remember you. And I thought, gosh, I am not that thankful for the people in my life, you know? But, but Paul was. He was in that place where, where he was thankful for them every time he remembered them. And then he says, I always pray with joy in my every prayer for all of you because of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. And so participation is this word in Greek that's called koinonia. And koinonia is a word that sometimes people use for community, um, or like, let's gather and have some cookies and coffee at church kind of thing. That's sort of the connotation that people have brought to it. But the, the word participation, it's actually, it's more, at least in Greek terms in the first century, it was used more as a partnership. So it was like a partnership with someone in some sort of adventure. So if someone went out in the first century and said, I'm going to go buy a boat, and I've got a buddy, and that buddy and mine are going to be in a partnership together, we're going to, we're going to have a fishing business, then that's what the word koinonia would have meant in everyday kind of life, is that you were a partner with someone, intentionally working together with someone towards a common goal, like many of you may do in, in your business, or people that you know who say have their own business, or have, their own, have a partnership with people. And so when you're a partner in an ideal situation, right, because not all partnerships work out, but in, a, in an ideal partnership you share the common vision that your partner has and that you have in, in order to work towards a common goal. And so the Philippians goal that Paul points out is that your partnership with me was in the gospel. That, that's the reason that we have a partnership is because of Jesus and because of what you believe Jesus has done in your life and what you believe he now wants to do in other people's lives. And, and that makes us think back on Matthew 28, 19 and 20, that Jesus said, So therefore go and make disciples, teaching them all that I have taught you in order to become disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus left the world saying. And this is what Paul was doing, is that he had created a church here Philippi, where the people said, I want to know Jesus, and I want to go and make him known. And that's what Paul was actually hearing 
from not only while he was in prison, he was still hearing that about this church. And so in Acts chapter 16 is where we learn verses 11 to 15 is when Paul actually arrives in Philippi. I just want to give you a timeline of this because he arrived in Philippi in 50 AD. And so that's when he met this lady named Lydia. She was a business owner, um, totally pagan, ended up hearing Paul's word about Jesus, trusted in Christ, her whole family trusted in Christ, and then the church of Philippi was, was born out of that. And so Paul wrote this letter to them in 60 or 62 AD, between that time period. So this is not a, a church to a group of people that he had only known for a little while when he wrote this letter. It had been at least 10 or 12 years where he, they had been supporting him, uh, he had been encouraging them, and they had, they had a thriving ministry that was not just in their community, but obviously was reaching out to the world because he says, because of your partnership with me in the gospel, things are happening. Things are happening in the world. And what he really is saying, this is your next little film of blank is this, is that true partners of God's work are always focused on advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. True partners of God's work are always focused on advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> it means that, that church, and when we gather together, if it's not about advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's just another social avenue. It's just another place to be a member it's just another club. It's just something else that grabs your interest. But the thing that changes the identity of what we do as the church is when Jesus Christ is, is in the center of what we do and who he is, the message of his salvation, him as our savior, is what we go and live and embody in the community. That's what the church is. It's not just another cultural thing to say, hey, I'm a member here. It's actually something that is this thing that is much more powerful, that Jesus is in the middle of the center of, that, that, that takes his message of hope and love into the world. And so that's what these people were doing. And Paul was saying, we're like-minded. We're, we're partners here in this process. And so... Verse 6, he then says this, he says, For I am sure of this very thing, that the one who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. I, I, I love that verse. And, and he's making this proclamation, this, this amazing statement, to say that God is the one who began a good work in you when you trusted in Christ. But he is not finished once he put himself inside of you. He, he, he just began this good work. And, and then, uh, so, so dealing with this word point of being partnership, your next little idea that I want you to think about is, is on your page is that God is your partner. God is your partner. In a lot of ways, we just think of God as, this, as we can, as this far off being who exists and just sort of does whatever he wants. But, but Paul is saying, no, it's much, it's much more intimate than that. God is a partner with us. He has chosen to partner with us. However sinful and messed up our lives get, he still is a partner with us. He still is. And so not only that, but he's committed to this partnership 
until Jesus returns. That's what he says. It says, until the day of Christ Jesus. So God is going to continue. He began this work. He's going to continue this work until Jesus returns. And, and so much, I think, often we put, we, put our, we put all the weight of spiritual life and our legacy and, and making an impact and all these concepts on ourselves. And I think what Paul is doing is he's saying, I want to take that off of your shoulders because it's God who is the one who will perfect you until that time. That God's place in your life is to begin this work and he will continue this work no matter what you choose to do, whether you choose to take a step of faith in that relationship with him or if you completely fall off the map spiritually. And so... Hopefully that alleviates, if you're a perfectionist, some of that, those tendencies to try to drive and push and prod and try to be that perfectionistic type of person. And, and that's why I said your next little film of blank is this. We don't have to be perfect because God makes us perfect in Christ. <clears throat> I think that Paul reminds us that we, we God, God never stops working. He, he has never stopped working in your life. Even if you feel like you've drifted away or there are certain points in your life where you said, well, I trusted in Jesus, but, you know, I haven't been to church in a while or I haven't prayed in a while or I haven't felt that feeling. I felt, you know, a mountaintop feeling. God is still working in your life and he always has. And, and he's saying that he began that good work and he will not stop until he has finished and perfected and completed that work that he is calling for you individually as a part of his body and a part of his church. And so God saved you, and even when we give up, he never gives up on us. I mean, to me, that's just full of hope. To, to, to consistently say, no matter what I do, God is still believing in me. <laughs> he still is holding on to me. And, and I think, because a lot of times we think, I've just got to hold on to Jesus but we forget that Jesus is the one who's holding on to us. He's the one that is actually carrying us through life. He's the one that's taking the bad, and he will make it good. Uh, he, he, he never gives up, no matter how much we may fail or how short we may fall. He's the one that continually carries us through life. And that's why I said your next two film links kind of go together. is that God is working in you, and God is making you who he wants you to be. Because if we just put all of our energy on an effort on ourselves, we're going to be who we want to be. But if we turn and we ask God and we focus our lives in His direction, we will start to learn who He wants us to be. Does that make sense? And so, because God's working in you, because He's perfecting you, He's, he's giving you this new attitude, He's revolutionizing your, your thought life, your, your, your decision-making life, um, he's making you like Jesus. Paul says in Romans 8, 29, he's been forming us to the likeness of his son. Some days we feel like that, some days we don't. Um, but now it's, it's about a legacy that's more than our net worth. That, that he's doing those things so that we have this different kind of legacy than what the world thinks we need to have or we will have at the end of our life. It's one of hope, it's one of purpose, it's one of significance.
and one that will make a difference. And then verse 7 says, For it is right for me to think or feel this way about all of you, because I have you in my heart, I remember you, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, since that process began, he's saying, all of you became partners in, there's that word, partner partners in God's grace together with me. And he believes that so strongly that he gives an oath in verse 8. He says, For God is my witness that I long for all of you. In other words, I'm not blowing smoke. Y'all, y'all mean something to me. You have made a difference in my life. God has used you to encourage me to leave a legacy with me as much as maybe I am with you, is what he's saying. And this affection I have for you is in Christ. And so he says, I, I, I really just want to focus on this idea that there are partners in God's grace. And so he explains that their partnership is a, is a grace-based partnership. Um, so not only is this work of accomplishing the gospel, of getting the message, of advancing the, the message of Jesus Christ out into the world important, but it's important as to how that message is delivered. Because if we're not full of grace, then we're probably full of something else. <laughs> you know, isn't that true? If, if we're not, if we're not bringing a message of grace and healing in our, into our relationships, then we probably are bringing legalism and insecurities and baggage, and we tell people what they're supposed to do, and there are plenty of ministries out there that use the guise of the church and Jesus to say, this is our agenda. This is what we are. This is who we are. And, and I think Paul is saying, no, it's about the grace of God in partnership. And, and he's calling all kinds of people into his church. He's calling all kinds of people into his kingdom. And, and it's not about what our agenda is as much as it is about the grace of God coming into our lives, transforming us, and then us being allowed to share that grace and love with other people. That's what's attractive about Jesus. That's what he did. He went to the least. He went to the people that were scum of the earth and said, I died for you. I died for all of you. And it's by my grace that you're set free. The word caritas is this word that talks about joy and, and loveliness and kindness and how we approach people with mercy instead of with disdain or uh, being a browbeating, legalistic know-it-all. <laughs> we all have those tendencies, don't we? I mean, we're, we're always right, at least I am. I don't know about you, but we, we always feel the sense of, if I'm not right, then I'm not okay, <laughs> right? That there's something wrong with us if we're not right, but God is saying, no, I'm right, and I want you to begin and that's your next fill in the blank, is to create grace-based relationships or partnerships in Christ with people. Begin that process of creating that because nobody likes know-it-alls. I hate to tell everybody that. I have to tell myself that, and then I stop being that way. But nobody likes the know-it-all. <laughs> um, and how different, if people started seeing us this way, how different would our legacy become? We would be more loving, we would be more grace-filled, we would be people who would who people and your children and your children's friends and your friends would want to come and say, hey, 
You just seem different. Life, your life seems different. Tell me about that. Why is that? And it's like that's how God uses a door to begin to influence those who are in our lives. And, and this is where I'm going with that is that the next one blank is that you and I are not alone. You and I are not alone in this good work with God. That, that whether we're introverted or extroverted, we need people and God has created us to be in community, in partnership with other people and with Him. And so we have to ask the question, how are we treating the people for whom we are leaving a legacy or with whom we are partnering to leave a legacy? I mean, that's a, that's a convicting question. And are you filled with God's grace in that process? And then Paul says this, he moves, and, and we're going to close after these three verses, but there's a lot in here. He says, and I pray this, verse 9, so that your love may abound even more and more in knowledge and every kind of insight, so that you can decide what is best, and thus be sincere and blameless for the day of Christ. Again, he mentions the day of Christ, the end of life, you can be sincere and blameless, making the best decisions, full of love and knowledge. And then he finishes and says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So Paul, in verse 9, think about this. He wanted, he want, he wanted that church, and I think by default us for other church, he want, and, and I think God wants us to be informed, unconditional, self-sacrificial, loving people. And that, that those people would be the cornerstone of his church. And he uses the word agape there. The word love is agape, which is that self-sacrificial, Jesus hung on the cross for us. We didn't ask him to do it, but he did it anyway. That kind of love that, that automatically shows that his love is greater than ours. And it encourages us, <clears throat> that he encourages us to, to let that kind of love abound in our lives. And that's what he's praying for these people. And when we talk about making right decisions, ignorance is, is the root of what causes stunted growth in our lives. I thought that was interesting. Just sort of statement that I read or principle is that ignorance is one of those things that keeps us from knowing God's will. When we stop seeking Him and seeking knowledge, what He says, knowledge and insight of how to make godly decisions, then we don't know how to make godly decisions and we revert back to how we used to make decisions. And that's when we get in fights in our homes, that's when we get in fights with our kids, that's when we get in fights at work, we disagree on things, and the partnerships break down because they're not based in godly-focused decision-making. In other words, we become selfish in how we make decisions. We don't become, we don't say, what's the best that, that needs to happen, either in this organization or in this relationship? We say, what's in it for me? And, and that's a me-sized legacy. And if I'm thinking of myself, that's not very big. It's only about me. And it's not about God. It's not about what He wants. And so, he says this, so that, I'm telling you that so that you can decide what's best and be sincere and blameless. This, this next film blank is that we will become sincere in how we make decisions. And sincere is this idea of purity and genuineness. In other words, we're not corrupt in how we make decisions. 
we approach things and say, I'm going to be genuine and authentic in how I make decisions. And that's because the love of God is what's guiding us and directing us. And he says another thing. He says, and then we won't, and this is next on the blank, and we won't offend people as often. So when God's love is abounding in us and carrying us in life, he not only helps us to be genuine, but he helps us to, to push back and not offend people so much in how, in how we speak to them and how we partner with them. Um, the word actually means to stumble or cause someone else to stumble <clears throat> in how we approach them. Now, what would your family look like if that was you? <laughs> what would it begin to look like? Is this a process where you have to begin to say, I've been doing this other kind of decision making for a long time, and now I'm trying to transition into how do I make godly decisions? How do I even think that way? And, and that's why I put your next film in mind is this. We need to ask the Holy Spirit for if we need to ask the Holy Spirit for help, and I know that scares some of you because you're like, I've never had a conversation with the Holy Spirit uh, or didn't know He was here. But He is. If you've trusted in Jesus, He's in your heart, He's in your life. And we need to start that process of saying, Holy Spirit, I need your help. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what kind of legacy you want me to live. And honestly, I don't know what kind of legacy He wants you to live either. So it's not like you can just ask me. He, you've got to ask Him, and He's the one that says, I want you to do this, and it's, it's called steps of faith. It's called you ask, and I will deliver. I promise you, I will create the best legacy you could have ever dreamed of. But I want you to ask. And that's what that partnership with God looks like. It's that partnership of, of surrender. And then verse 11, he says, when you do that, and when we do that, we will be filled with this fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ and will glorify God and make that God-sized legacy a reality. It, 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 it's the difference between someone who, who sees on a micro level and someone who sees on a macro level. Because if we're always in that micro world and just focused on ourselves, then we just absolutely miss the influence we can have where God says, I wanted you to meet this person because I wanted them to be the first domino in a line of dominoes that ended up impacting all these other people that you would never have a chance to impact, but how I wanted to leave that legacy that way. And I just want you to trust that if you just share your faith in real, genuine ways with that person, it's going to create this huge chain reaction. And I just want you to be a part of that. And I think that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's the hope of being a Christian. It's not just coming and sitting here on Sunday. It's saying, what does that look like in life? And so, your last little film like this. The Holy Spirit wants to help you to leave a God-sized legacy. He wants, not only does He want us to ask Him, He wants to say, I'm going to deliver. I'm going to deliver. And so, what can we do this week? Um, just to think back on what we talked about, because this was, this was kind of a lot of information. But it's something I think that's a cornerstone and foundational to where He wants to take us in our life. That's why I think it's so important. He said, uh, so number one is this, is that you don't have to be perfect. Just remember, if you don't hear anything else, I think that's a great thing to grab onto. You don't have to be perfect. God makes you perfect in Christ. Even if you push back and don't understand that totally, that's just a great truth to know. Number two, that we're partners with God and with other people. They're not against us. He's not against us. We're trusting in Him, and He is for us. That's what Paul says. If, if God is, is for us, who can be against us in life? 
He's the one that leads us into this life of legacy. And number three is we have to ask the Holy Spirit for his help. We have to begin that process of saying, I just, Holy Spirit, I need your help. It may be weird the first few times, because it was for me. But that's where, that's when he begins to say, thank you for just asking. So say this with me. Turn turn your neighbor and say, I am leaving a legacy. Say it one more time. I am leaving a legacy. And now I want you to close your eyes for just a second as we, as we pray out. Close your eyes and say, and say this to God. Say, God, help me to leave a legacy of love in this world. God, help me to leave a legacy of love in this world. Lord, you are the one who will change this world one step at a time, one person at a time, and you will leave your legacy in this world no matter what we do, but you're calling us and inviting us to be a part of that, and I am so thankful just to be called, just to be cared about that much by you, that you call us individually into this corporate, wonderful, amazing plan to create a legacy of love in this world through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us this week. Help us this week to know what that is for us and what your plan is for us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Thanks for listening to the 343 Ministries podcast. As always, we encourage you to donate to our ministry at 343ministries.com slash give. Together, we can all make a difference in this world. 343 Ministries, Inc. is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization. Also, subscribe to our monthly devotional email for actionable strategies on how you can build up your community in Christ right where you are. And for more ideas, inspiration, and tips, follow us on Instagram at Todd and Meredith Baker. Todd and Meredith Baker